It was his idea. I'm sorry, John. What are you doing here? I needed some money. He's always been good that way. Your father's always been generous. You told me I didn't have a father. Well, he said that was the only way you would give it to him. It had to be your idea. He told me where to find you. He, he asked me to go see you. I wanted to see you. This can't be happening. This, this is a misunderstanding. This, this can't happen to me. He wouldn't do this to me. He w wouldn't do this to me. Well, hey there, sunshine. It was the cartoon about fish. You got some arms on you. Welcome everybody to Lost in the Lockdown once again. Hello. So today we are discussing Hello. episodes 19 and 20, Day Ex Machina and Do No Harm. Uh, a fairly Boone-centric storyline. Uh, Day Ex Machina is a John Locke episode uh, in the flashbacks and Do No Harm is a bit more to do with Boone uh, and Jack. Mm -hmm. So before I go anywhere else, I'll hand over to Scott for some trivia. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, sorry, that's it's back enough. This was directed by Robert Mandel, written by Kusin Lindelof. This aired on the 30th of March 2005. 17.75 uh, million viewers, and this was quite significantly uh, quite a big drop from the previous week. So this was a 1 million uh, viewership drop from the previous week, so yeah, so quite a big one. Um, and considering we're heading to like the end of the of the season, you'd think their numbers would be you know getting much higher because they generally yeah. will be higher as you get towards the end for like finale. Mm -hmm. um, I have a I have a, a new round of I guess the rapper birthday. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have uh, MC Hammer who was born on the thirtieth of March. Uh, so we need your guesses. For his age, I'm gonna go. I, I, I'm gonna say 55. 50. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go lower than John. <laughs> so 55 or 50. Okay. We have MC Hammer is 58 years old as of the 30th of March oh. 2020. Props to John. 58. Wow. Very good. 58. I suppose. I mean, that was when was when was Hammer time? Like 90s? mid mid eighties. Oh, oh, I thought it was eighties. Oh, was it like nineteen ninety? I think I it was know. early nineties, ninety ninety one. Yeah. If you see like the if like, you know you watch music videos, and they are just so like dated that this one <laughs> is it could have been nineteen eighty five quite easily. <laughs> so it was recorded eighty nine, and it was released in January ninety. Oh, okay. So they're still bridging on that eighties to nineties sort of. Um, threshold yeah. aren't they <laughs> when it was still dodgy what song did he sample in that anybody just whilst we're going for the uh, the trivia oh. <laughs> can't touch this I'm, I have no idea no I don't know either 
Did you not know? Oh, okay. Oh, hang on, Super Freak. Super Freak, yeah. James, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it just came to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Super Freak. I always find that really funny. I don't know how you'd feel as an artist. Like, you're arguably your most well-known song features someone else's fairly well-known song. I never... <laughs> Never know how people feel about that. Most, well, most like big pop acts will sample a tune or uh, some kind of intonation from a song these days. So, <laughs> but I guess back then it was a bit more rarer, maybe. But yeah, it's weird. But I, I yeah. guess you know, Rick James, isn't it? Rick James, yeah. So, but you know, he gets his royalties from that. Made a few million, I'm sure, from that. <laughs> yes, he will have. He would have. Nice guy, definitely. And Super Freak is a great song as well. Super Freak is a great song. It's a quality track. But yeah, that, that was it. Sweet. Thank you very much. So, over to John. Guest appearances, if there's any. Yes, uh, we have one or two uh, reasonably notable um, guest appearances in this one. Uh, the actress playing John's mother um, is an actress called Swoozy Kurtz, which is an excellent name. Uh, she <laughs> mm. is one of the main cast in a show I haven't watched but I always mean to um, called Pushing Daisies and mm-hmm. she's, she's one of the main cast in that she was also um, this is where I know her from the most she was in Liar Liar um, she was yeah. the oh, what was, was she the the prosecution um, lawyer I never, Liar Liar I, I think ne- it was I always, I always call them like the opposition lawyer because I don't know what the difference is I'm, twen- <laughs> I'm 28 and I don't know what the difference is I used to say what right I, I used to work in um, in a, like a court office like a local courts and I still yeah. like it defendant and um, it's like I, I get them confused all the time and I should know like the defendant <laughs> yeah. and the I can't even remember what the other one is Prosecution. Someone once said to me, like, when they were going to court and they were saying, like, oh, I'm a defendant. And I, I, I genuinely said, is that a good or a bad thing? <laughs> is, are you, like, as if it was a good guy, bad guy thing. No, she's in Liar Liar. Um, she's, she's Jim Carrey's opposite lawyer person. There we go. That's as vague as I can make it. I always remember the outtakes of that film and she's in one of my favourite ones where he's going all crazy and she just shouts at him, overreactor. <laughs> and he, complete, he completely loses it. <laughs> um, and, and the other um, notable actor in this is the one that plays John's, uh, Locke's dad, who is an actor called Kevin Ty. And he's been in a couple of things, notably 80s uh, movies. He was in K9, he was in Roadhouse and he was in Another 48 Hours. Um, He's an actor that I I, I I don't know from anything else apart from Lost, uh, if I'm honest. But you know, he's got quite a extensive filmography. Um, as, mm. I say, as I say, mostly eighty stuff. He, he seems to play the uh, the kind of character that he plays in this episode. You know, a sort of sleazy. Uh, I can imagine him as, as a sleazy mayor. You know, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah, he, he can, like the mayor in Jaws. Yeah, basically, he's that type. He's that. Um, uh, archetype. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember who he is in Roadhouse because I love that film. <laughs> I uh, just can't think of who he is Roadhouse. in Roadhouse. Uh, what's that say? Tyman? Tillman? I don't know how to pronounce that. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. I'm just looking now as well. Roadhouse got <clears throat> negative reviews upon release. That is blasphemy. <laughs> I've never Sorry, actually seen it. Roadhouse. It's on Netflix, John. Get it? Watch. It's great. <laughs> well, it's not, but it is at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> It's got the Swayze. It's, it's 
Wicked, right. Well, any more for any more, or is that is that? Uh, that those are all the the notable ones for, from this episode, anyway. Sweet, thank you very much. So let's dive head in. So preface really is that it's we're still in that uh, region of the episodes where lots of, lots is happening. Not a lot's happening at the same time. You're not really sure where they're going with this. There's an awful lot in the air with with regards to the mysteries. Uh, and and where these particular characters are, well, where it's just progressing to ultimately. I think we've got at least three mysteries up in the air at this point, um, and they're all kind of balancing on the, you know, balancing on the plate. Uh, the plates are balancing almost. So this one is quite interesting, Dex Machina. So this is, as I said before, this is a John Locke centric mm-hmm. episode, and it, it reveals. Uh, how he discovered who his parents were and uh, kind of the realisation of who they actually are. It's quite a uh, quite an emotional one, but we'll go straight into the flashbacks. So, the opening of this flashback is non-paraplegic John Locke um, with hair. He's a mysterious with hair, yes. We must always say we must always do props to the, uh, the makeup and hair department. I did. The, the much younger John Locke. Uh, <laughs> it's always so bad. You can always tell how bad hair do's are when it comes to TV and film. Like it either works or it doesn't. There's no in between. I'm I'm really bad at, at it. Like somebody could could say that's obviously a wig, and I'd be like, really? So like, I I can never pick them out. Like I well this, okay this one I can pick it out but <laughs> the one on John Locke right now but there's some where it's like that's I mean really there was that's there was an I'm episode like, really? I'm just bad at that maybe it's maybe it's my my blind spot or my bald spot <laughs> <laughs> there was an episode of What We Do in the Shadows where one of the characters in that if you've not watched it one of them's completely bald but I've just re- I'm rewatching it now because it's on iPlayer and it's just fucking hilarious but. Uh, at one point, he miraculously develops hair, um, <laughs> and um, it looks really convincing. And I thought to myself, "Oh yeah, he could rock. He could actually rock the hair." But now it's remind. <laughs> it's making me think of like a, a John Locke comparison with a, <laughs> with a vampire. <laughs> oh, it's the uh, the guy who plays um, Nate on The Office. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Mark Mark, uh, Mark Prochd, I think his name is. Yeah, Mark Prochd or Proch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very funny in that. He's very funny in this. He's an energy vampire. That's right. So he just talk, <laughs> he talks really, really slow and just bores people literally to death. Is it when he's yes. um he's he, he's trying to become like a manager in his office, and he kind Correct. of and he gets more power. And he just, yeah, he starts growing. Yeah, I saw that the other way. So good. Yeah, he get he gets so powerful that he starts to fly and yeah. like he he get he literally gets power mad with the amount of energy he is absorbing. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good show. Anyway, digression. So in these flashbacks, non-paraplegic John Locke with his terrible wig, he <laughs> sees a mysterious woman, as we've already discussed, Swoosie Kurtz, in the the shop that he's working in. Um, she's watching him from afar, and I think she asks him about where the footballs are, just to kind of make chat. He obviously notices that she's a bit strange, but he tells her nonetheless. <laughs> um. Also, is this where is this the episode of Mousetrap? It where is he's showing yes. Mousetrap. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you've also got there a little bit of the love of games, as as it's all been laid out before with uh, John Locke. 
He loves his games. He um, and Mouse Trap's an interesting one. He explains to the little boy who he's showing Mouse Trap to. He explains like the, the the mechanism, the mechanics of Mouse Trap, and it still mm-hmm. to this day amazes me. <laughs> Mouse Trap works. It's timeless. <laughs> it's a classic, brilliant feat of engineering. Mouse Trap. It's, it's bonkers though if the uh, the elastic band don't work. Oh, don't. Because <laughs> then, because then after all that build up, it don't bloody work. Ah, <laughs> oh, nightmare. But I agree, it's a fantastic game, brilliant engineering. So with that in mind, we're still getting those little uh, allusions to what Locke enjoys in his life. Um, so after this initial meeting, he sees her again, watching him in the car park as he's leaving. Uh, there's a little bit of a chase scene not really, just a brief little chase and then she kind of confronts him and explains that she's his birth mother and she's Emily, that's right isn't it Emily Locke mm-hmm. um, he asks about his dad and Emily claims that you know he doesn't have a father and he's immaculately conceived <laughs> so we've got the Jesus allegory straight away oh god, that's Anakin again I thought, yeah, bloody Anakin, midichlorians. <laughs> God, George, why? Ugh. Do you know, you've probably seen all my tweets watching Clone Wars at the moment, and it's amazing how the Clone Wars actually makes Jar Jar bearable. <laughs> I don't understand it. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, but yeah, it is total Anakin, this. Um, and what better way to solve the mystery of this than hiring a private investigator to find his dad? Mm, yes, uh, the, doesn't the, the private investigator basically tells him that um, his mum has been committed in the past? Um, you know, yeah. so obviously, it, it, I, I thought it was quite nice that they didn't drag out that um, immaculately conceived thing for too long, because um, when you hear it, first of all, you're like, oh, okay, we're really doing this, um, but then they, they immediately uh, just disprove that. Um, but I, th- I thought it was quite. A, a nice way to to further the story, you know, to, so that John does get um, get in touch with his father. A little thinking about it, maybe that was all part of the long con. Quite possibly, it probably was. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, Who do you think came up with it, the dad or the mum? Like when they're trying to when they're trying to figure out yeah. what they're going to do, it's it's a bit of an extreme thing to go with. <laughs> yeah. Just say that your dad's dead. Just say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. ultimately, where this leads, it's a bit. It is extreme, isn't it? <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he, he hires the private investigator, and he, you know, they find out. He finds out that his dad's quite well off. He's got a very affluent mm. home, but he is welcomed with open arms. Um. I always quite like his little chats with the guy. The the gate guy, the security guy, who mm. obviously also is quite welcome into Locke. Uh, and I guess over time, it's implied that they get quite a strong relationship going. Mm-hmm. He takes him hunting, which, as mm-hmm. we know, is is the one of the big things Locke is known for on the island. Yeah, yeah. And I think as well, one of the things that I quite like about this is that it, it's not kind of really... It is a focal point, but it almost isn't. It's kind of just in the background. It's not basically, you know, properly televising, hey, this is how he learned how to hunt. It's just like, oh, yeah. I think mm. that's probably how he started to understand how to hunt. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's just kind of neatly put in there. Mm. And it's, it's never sort of specified how long 
um like like is it is it a couple of weeks is it a couple of months is it a, is it a year you know that the episode doesn't really tell so you can you can sort of infer that they've they've done this quite a few times i think um you know yeah. it, it's watching a, a 40 minute episode you're like sometimes it feels it happens very quickly but um i guess with the the flashbacks you're like well this could have taken place over you know six months time you know it's a believable period of time to to build up that relationship um mm. which i thought was I thought, I thought was quite good uh and as you say it never feels like it's setting you up for exactly what happens um you know it, every sort of john Locke episode I, I think after walkabout you're expecting the flashback to let you know how he ended up in the wheelchair mm-hmm. um and this episode sort of plays with that quite a bit there's there's a couple of instances where you're like oh is this going to be it oh <laughs> oh no it's not oh is this going to be it um but yeah it's it's a very um i feel like i said this every time but it's a very elegant way of of drawing that mystery out yeah and it, and as we know it's a very far out way that he ends up in the wheelchair so <laughs> yes it is. It's, it's not one i expected at the time but we'll very, get there when we very high up way <laughs> yeah <laughs> very good very good i like it foreshadowing the future <laughs> podcasts like it so but yeah so this is clearly over a, 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 a good portion of time shall we say because you know it i think it'd take up it needs to be believable that Locke would, you know, when he, he walks in one day and he happens upon his dad receiving dialysis treatment and for him mm. to behave the way he does where he more or less outright says, I'll give you a kidney. I think yeah. you've got to have, you know, there's got to be that time in place, hasn't there, for them mm. to build mm-hmm. up this relationship in some form. Yeah. Um, I think it's a very noble thing of Locke, but I also think it plays into his naivete. Mm-hmm. Um, of which he's got a lot of, <laughs> yeah. especially at this time. Anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he's definitely um, exercised his naivety, I think, after the events of, of what's happened here. Because on the island, mm-hmm. he's, he's he's pretty much a very different person, I think. He's, he stands by his convictions yeah. a lot more, and he's a lot more headstrong and acts as a leader. But here he's very... Because um, he's vulnerable... Um, emotionally yeah. vulnerable, he's open to just you know being shafted effectively, which is clearly mm. what they're trying to do here. So, and again, I thought what was quite interesting here is that in a way his naivety is replaced by ego on the island. I know we've said we've said it along quite a few times that you know, I guess in any other show maybe or a different um, positioning of that character, and that, that's a villain in a way. He's got all the archetypes, um, all the He's got the mix of a villain, really. Yeah. He's a bit of a dick, I've, as we've always said. Yeah, so. I, I've <laughs> I will always stand by this that John Locke, him, him, after what happens to him, I maintain that he's been the antagonist throughout. <laughs> he just yeah. creates well, yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess uh, again, jumping way ahead, um, that does play into um, not what happens to Locke, but what. Um, <laughs> how do I, I don't know how to put this. But you know what I mean? It, it's it's obvious that how they you know, use the those, lock character. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, towards the end of the series, you know, where he is positioned as just what what you've said there, Scott. You know, he is essentially the villain of the piece, even though spoilers, it's not technically lock. Yeah. <laughs> Just on the back of your tweet as well today, that was another oh shit moment, John. 
<laughs> oh yes, uh, like finding out he was in the, the coffin. coffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, w- I, I was thinking that, but also the end of season five when you kind of also realise that it's not who you think it is, and you mm. know, yeah, yeah, the, the kick, the kick on to the fire, and you're like, oh my fucking god! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I genuinely screamed at that. Anyway, we'll get, we will get there. We will get there. Just very quickly on that. Sorry, I, I, was it? I might, I might be wrong, but did they have this? Because you know when they had the Who Shot Mr. Burns um, uh, thing on The Simpsons, Tony, you might have been too young to have watched it when it was airing, but they had like several like red herrings, mm, and I, yes. I think in the advertising, and similar to like um, like nowadays, like with Game of Thrones, you had like, all this like, promo stuff about who's going to be the king. I know where you're going with this. Yeah, was there something where you had like other bodies in the coffin before it aired, like to show you some kind of red herrings? They are on the. Uh, there are bonus features on the Blu-ray where they have at least five other characters in the coffin. One of which oh. I know for a fact is Sawyer. Um, I think they're on YouTube actually as well. I must have seen it sometime on YouTube, maybe. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, yeah. I, it just it just crossed my mind because a big reveal like that, it definitely would have. Yeah, I think been great. I think I think the idea behind that was uh, I I think when they gave the finale to you know the the press to review it, they purposefully left out that scene. But on the off chance for whatever reason it, the news got leaked, they wanted them to have loads of different endings so no one would have an idea what was going on. <laughs> That's really but, good. I'll it, have to I'll have to check those out on on YouTube. Yeah. And and it plays exactly the same way, you know. Jack's really mm. sad. I think Kate's there as well at the time, and it just kind of goes over the top of the coffin, and you're like, "Hang on a sec, that's not Locke. It's <laughs> someone else." And it makes you wonder how. Obviously, it was never the intention to go that way, but it does mm. make you wonder in a parallel universe, like, what does that mean if it was Sawyer? <laughs> what does it yeah. mean if it mm. was Kate or whatever? They made the right choice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, definitely yes. made the oh, right yes. choice. <laughs> I think with the Mr. Burns thing though, didn't they have stuff like it was crusty, it was like Cletus, it was <laughs> it was it was basically everyone in Springfield. Yeah, they in the episode itself they have like um multiple characters carrying out the, the gunshot and I and I'm pretty sure that on Sky One they had something like a like some kind of advertisement which showed different people shooting Mr. Burns as well. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah. Locke's formed a very strong relationship with his dad, takes him hunting, we've got the dialysis treatment, he offers his kidney. So we're thrown into a bit of a an existential crisis like we often are with Locke here. So they go down to the surgery together, he wakes up to find that his dad's discharged himself. Uh, I think he's getting like private care at his house and he's just abandoned him completely. Mm. And his mother arrives uh, on cue to explain that, you know, he knew he needed a kidney, so they thought, "Hey, let's track you down and um, get get your kidney." Basically, yeah, it's it's rough. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if either you can corroborate, but uh, if I recall, um, Susie Kurtz wanted money, so um, An- oh, yes. Anthony offers her money if he can get her to get John's kidney. I think that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. That is right, yeah. Pretty fucking horrific plan there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that is that, that is a long con. I know we've I know Sawyer's heavily involved in long cons, but that is <laughs> this is the worst of them all. It's, yeah, uh... it's 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 awful. Um, and again, um, watching this episode, I was like, 
it's another instance where they make you think that there's something's happened in the surgery and that's how he locks, lost the power of his legs um, so I think there's three yeah. instances like he, he gets hit by the car uh, in the first one and then they mm-hmm. go out shooting and I was like oh something's uh-huh. going to happen here and then uh, you know this is the third time um, but no it's well I don't know if I was going to say it's it's much worse you know both are equally pretty bad but um, yeah just, just the effect it has on Locke is, is devastating it, that's the word I was going to use. It's just total devastation. It's everything. Mm. It's the rug pulled from underneath him. And I think you could argue this is the point when he he, he leaves the naivety at the door almost in a way, or at mm. least a lot of it. Mm-hmm. He realizes that he's a bit of a, a pushover, perhaps, and <laughs> he just he's so easily swayed. Yeah. But he, I think it's when he you know he drives to his home and the chap, as I've said, the security guard. He's he's probably in on it in some way because he's not letting him in yeah um, oh, I, I, I hate that guy I really hate that guy <laughs> yeah I hate that guy too what a dick um, and then we've got that wonderful heartbreaking moment him driving away and just breaking down really that's another scene where I thought something could happen he could crash his car or something because he's in such a state mm, yeah. of uh, shock and, and emotional like, turmoil that he could easily have just lost his wits and yeah, uh, th- that scene is so good. Yeah, it, the music is great it as is, well in that scene. Back, yes, Giacchino, what a hero! <laughs> I did not know as well, but he's doing the Batman score for the next Batman. I don't know why I didn't know that. I'm so glad about that. I had oh, no cool. idea. I should have known that because Matt Reeves is involved and he's part yeah. of JJ's crew, isn't he? So. I should have known, but yeah, I only found that out today, and I was pleasantly happy. There's so. um another part in that when that scene where John goes to the house. Um, there's another great bit of just uh, really clever attention to detail. So he's obviously just come out of theatre, um, and you can still see his operation like wound sit on like on his back. Like you still see the blood coming out. Mm. I think it's just a really mm. nice way of just like showing you like he's still suffering. Like he's just forever like in pain. It's like he, like his stitches have come undone. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was a really nice attention to detail in that scene. No, you're right. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a great set of flashbacks. This one, big time, big fan of them. And that and that's them over. So on island events, it's day twenty. Uh, sorry, day thirty nine. Uh, we are in October, the end of October, October the thirtieth of two thousand and four. What were you doing that day? <laughs> like they actually have the date, like not just like the day number, but they actually have the actual date. Oh, I guess because you have the flight, the date of the flight, and yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I just yeah. thought it's just just something that fans yeah. are just like shoehorned in there. Oh yeah, it happened on this day. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of like loosely implied within the show, and then I guess because it's been around, because the show's obviously been around for years now, you just kind of had fan accounts put two and two together. Really. Yeah, and they do comment several. I think there's a point in season two where. I think when they first meet um, the Tailies, and it might be it might be that one. I might be completely wrong, but someone asked Jack how long you've been there. Uh, it yeah. might have been Tom Friendly. I'm not sure, but he says that like, I've been there for like 44 days or something like that. So you can just work it out from there going back. Yeah, Tom Friendly. Ah, I love him. <laughs> ah, not so. Light them up, boys. Light them up. Anyway, <laughs> um, day 39, October 30th, 2004. So, on-island events are as follows. So, Lock and Boone, and I'm going to say it right this tra- this time, build a trebuchet hey. <laughs> in an effort to break open the hatch window, because as we've seen, 
the hatch is basically indestructible or unopenable, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. Whatever that window is made of is just impenetrable. So um, they build a trebuchet, they drop it on it, still does absolutely sweet FA. Um, Locke's having a good pound at the hatch in anger, and then Boone comes along and notices that he's got like a giant shard of bam- bamboo, I want to say, stuck in his leg or something like that. I think it's like metal that. or something. It looks like... Or is it, or is it metal in his leg? I don't, well, it, it, I don't know. It's quite dull in colour. I just presumed it, it could easily have been bamboo because most of the contraption was made from, you know, like island material, so... That's why I thought it was bamboo. It could well be metal, though, because that, either way, he is impaled by something <laughs> very sharp. Uh, but he cannot feel it. Um... <laughs> And uh, during the night, he's starting to lose the feeling of his in his legs again. Mm-hmm. So something's something's clearly happening. Uh, and as we know with the island, you know, you give the island something, it'll give you something back, but it'll quite quickly take it away from you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is where sort of Boone, um, who had been pretty much on board for for most of the the excavation of the hatch, you know, this is where he starts to maybe question Locke because Locke is like. The island will send us a sign or something like that, and Boone's like, "Hmm, well, okay, John, you're a bit crazy." Um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting dynamic now, and obviously it gets switched around again at the episode, um, leading yeah. to leading to poor Boone's demise. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a really good way that that John is sort of proven right in a way. Um, yeah. But but again, I'm skipping ahead. Sorry, but uh, yeah, uh, Boone is is starting to doubt. Well, I mean that that brings me on to where I was going next. So, I mean, I'll not mention the side the side plot just yet because there is it's only really for comic relief. But we'll get there. <laughs> it's just there's a lot to get through in terms of the main island events. So, like you mm. say, like Boone is, I think Boone's gone from probably questioning who John is in the first place to trusting him to realizing mm. now he might be going a bit loco. Uh, because everything's kind of going against him really Mm -hmm. nothing's making any sense whatsoever Um, and like Boone is obviously getting to the point where everything's just a waste of time for them which makes sense I'd probably be the same there's this weird guy who's trying to open a hole in the floor and it's not working (laughs) basically (laughs) and we're not hunting boar everyone's asking us where our boar the boar is but does he not um, ever think to himself, hang on, this guy fucking like, drugged me like the other week. <laughs> he like, sent me off and, do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? And, and now I'm following yeah. him to, on this like, you know, wild goose chase effectively. Like, he's fairly well in his right to doubt him a little bit in the slightest. Mm. And if, yeah. there was ever pro- if there was ever proof that John Locke was a villain, it was that very out of place episode. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, here you go. This will be fun. Put some wacky drug juice in your, in your brain and have a good trip doesn't doesn't Boone make a joke about that in this episode as well he says you haven't put some does, of that yeah. stuff on yourself have you John or something like that <laughs> yeah he does he does <laughs> well yeah because that, that well that brings me on to this bit because this is where he in during the night he dreams about so there's the plane crash not mm-hmm. our plane crash as we know it but another <laughs> uh, like I think it's a Beechcraft mm-hmm. kind of plane and then we've got that really genuinely cool bit of horror I guess with Boone mm. uttering Teresa falls up the stairs Teresa falls down the stairs and he's covered mm. in blood 
which I think is really well done. It's very David Lynchian, that, that dream sequence. Exactly. Mm. I thought it was very Lynchian as well. It's, uh, I think it's the way it's all cross-court. It's very fast-paced. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's very f- foreboding, foreshadowing, but you don't quite know why. It's very Lynchian indeed. Um so I guess that's where you say, you're thinking this is where he's probably put the, the drug juice on himself, which could be <laughs> rather amusing if he had done that. Um, but yeah, Locke wakes up, and then he wakes up Boone, and he's like, right, we're going to find a plane. <laughs> but not our plane, we're just going to go find a plane that is somewhere in the jungle. Um, and as they head out in search of this, he starts to lose his, the use of his legs completely. So he can't yeah. stably walk anymore. Um, I think obviously Boone's a bit confused by this because I'm, I'm pretty sure. Well, no one really knows that he couldn't walk no, before, no. Could, did they? No, no one does at this point. No, no one does. He's kept it to himself. So obviously for Boone, this is a bit strange that all of a sudden this man who can clearly walk is starting to not be able to walk. Um, but. During the walk, they find a decayed body. Um, mm. I always like this bit yes. because it's it's a good little bit of foreshadowing mm-hmm. uh, to season two. Not that we know it just yet, but this is Remy. Um, Sorry, I will just I, I will just slightly correct. It's it's Yemi, not Remy. Just in case we get anyone correct. Remy, us. why have I got why have I got Remy? Where have I got Remy from? I don't know. <laughs> Remy, Remy, Remy. Ratatouille? Yeah, Yeah, I was thinking Ratatouille. Why was I thinking Ratatouille? Oh, my God. I told told you those drugs are kicking in, man. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, they they, they find the dead body and... um, Oh, no, sorry, this is just the dead body at this point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's on the way to the plane. Oh, yes, of course, of course. Um, Yes, I'd say... um, I nearly said Remy again. Yemi, is that what it was? Yemi, Yemi. yeah. Um, yeah, Mr. Echo's brother. Yep. Brother. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. As as I say, nice, nice little bit of foreshadowing. Um, well, nice, nice big bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> and I think it's great, just because you don't. It, to us, we've we've seen other dead bodies, as we've said before. The Adam and Eve skeletons in the cave. It's at this moment, mm. it's meaningless, really. It's just how, how it the the doing end up incorporating it into the show. It's just wild. Is there this um, point where uh, John does some... tell Boone about the paralysis, or is it slightly after? Because obviously he only has the opportunity to tell him around now until Boone hops in that plane. I think it is around this time that after, even just before, just after they find a cadaver, um, he does tell he does tell Boone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Um, it's sort of it's the thing that Boone sort of. Uh, it, it makes Boone a bit more sympathetic towards him, you know, because it's like, okay, well, he's, he really believes this this island crap, um, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, be a bit sympathetic, you know, play along a wee bit, um, and that's when he, he helps him up and they, they start walking towards the, the crash um, At this point, or around this point, John does tell him about the dream, and he mentions about the, the Teresa thing, mm-hmm. and Boone confirms that she was his, her his nanny mm-hmm. who died um, yes. in unfortunate circumstances. Mm-hmm. Is it Walt? <laughs> <laughs> his power travel across the globe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and probably through different timelines because obviously he's not nearly as old as Boone is. <laughs> but we know lost to go through time, so anyway. Um, I think, and that, that's where they find the plane. Yeah, whenever, does it, um, isn't it kind of like done in a coincidental way? He kind of, when he falls yeah, over, he's yeah. kind of like, there you go. <laughs> he points yes, up yeah. and that's where it is. Yeah, he does, yeah. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Which is very lost, you know. Everything's a coincidence. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> so there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's when he mentions the phrase to Boone because it convinces him to stay. He realizes that he might actually be onto something. Yeah, that's it. It's it. Mm-hmm. He's he's drank the Kool Aid. So yeah, Boone. Um, he has to climb up, obviously, because John can't. <laughs> John can't at the minute. Um, and Boone's quite annoyed to find that um, all that's in the plane is the. The Virgin Mary statues with the heroin inside. <laughs> yeah. Um, so again, that's that's another little, uh, I guess, tidbit of information for 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 the future. Um, but ov- obviously, he finds the the radio yeah, uh, yeah. as well. And so, a f- and a further tidbit uh, of it, uh, for the future. Um, the per- oh yes, of course. The person on the end of the phone, uh, phone, the radio. Sorry, is Bernard Rose's long lost mm-hmm. husband, but we don't yeah. know that yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I re I rewatched it um, to. to because I remember you making that point previously, you yeah. know, where it's you can't really make it out in this episode no. unless you're really listening for it. Um, but they say we're the survivors of Flight Eight One Five after Boone says that's the same right. thing. I was like, oh, that's that's really clever. Yeah, and then you get to season two, and they kind of mirror that from the uh, yeah, you, opposing you perspective. The yeah, 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 that's cool. Yeah, that's really good. It's amazing. Um, but yes, it, it's it is quite tragic that the one time Boone does something useful, you know. He, he, <laughs> He immediately dies for it. <laughs> oh, well, no, he doesn't immediately die for it. No, it's um... prolonged. <laughs> He's made a song. Yeah. It's, a sho- it's arguably the most shocking death on the show when you think about oh, it. Oh, it's grim. Like, he, he really, like, he really ate shit. Like, that plane goes down. It makes you... <laughs> and he, it, and he, how does he not die straight from it? Because he's clearly in, like, the, the <laughs> cockpit area. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. Anyway. Grim. Grim. It's very grim. So, with that in mind, the plane goes over with Boone involved um, Locke struggles to his feet and manages at this point to get Boone onto his shoulders and he, he returns to the camp we've already said this a lot of the time before but the geography on this show is wonderfully out of whack <laughs> so what was clearly a very long walk to get to the plane isn't so long to get back especially yep. <laughs> with a very critically injured character and a character <laughs> who previously couldn't walk but that's by the by um, I think they explain that away basically without saying it because obviously the island works this thing is the island giveth the island taketh away so yeah. when Boone has his accident John actually gets used to his legs again I think that's how they you can explain it away without explicitly yeah. saying it yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's just how I took it I don't know about, about you guys no 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 I'd agree with that I'd agree with that yeah and again and in, in, uh, I'm pretty sure in a later episode um, John mentions you know that Boone was a sacrifice the island demanded. Yes, um, which is a bit cold, but at the same time, you know, it's 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 very locked in John's. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. In his head, it makes sense. Yeah, that's. Um, I can't remember who he says that to, but the person uh, it's either Jack or maybe Saeed, but the reaction I think he gets it's Jack. I think. Yeah, I think they're just disgusted. Mm. With <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is. I think it's Matthew Fox because it looks like he just wants to drop him there. And yeah. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For, for even hinting at that 
So, well, speaking of Matthew Fox, it'll lead, this leads, leads us nicely into the ending of the episode. So Locke carries Boone to the cave and he just outright lies to Jack saying that they, mm-hmm. uh, they fell off a cliff whilst they were hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack begins to treat the many wounds of Boone. Um, and before <laughs> he can get any more clear indication of what was happened, Locke's disappeared into the jungle. I think he returns to the hatch. I think it's meant to imply he returns to the hatch. Oh wait, no. He does, he does return to the yeah, hatch. Yeah, he does. Thinking about it, we get the big ending, don't we? Well, the big ending, and again, another yeah. bit of future foreshadowing mm-hmm. that you don't know about until season two. But um, mm, Locke yeah. pounding on the door, asking for, you know, screaming. He's done everything he's been told or implied to do. Um, mm. And then the hatch. Well, there's an illumination from below. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I remember like it. It's an iconic image, um, and it's a, it's a it's a hell of a cliffhanger as well for the for the episode. You know, mm-hmm. after all this time trying to get the hatch open, and suddenly you find out you know there's well there's potentially somebody in there. We don't know yet, but um, you know it's it's a great it's something a great image. Yeah, it's a great image to end the episode on, and obviously you know all the episodes do this, but you know it's intercut with. Um, that final flashback of Locke in the car, you know, when he's at his lowest point yes. off island, arguably, and yes. also at his lowest point on the island. Yes. Uh, just just very good. Very, very well. Um, and, and it's quite interesting, actually. Structured. It is. And it's quite interesting because it's not particularly something that's really called back upon until the finale when obviously they go and blow the hatch. You know, it's never, mm. it's never mentioned again, really. In this yeah. season, it's just, oh my God. It's another thing that only John knows about, <laughs> mm. and you know about. Yeah, pl- yeah, plays his cards close to his chest. He'd be a good poker player, wouldn't he, John Locke? He like he likes to play <laughs> games. He, I think he, he says it to Jack he in the finale. He, he says to him, "Yeah, I love to play games." He and that that could, I mean, obviously we know Literally he like, and <laughs> yeah, we we like. Mm. Um, sorry, he likes to play like, tabletop board games, and he likes mousetrap and all these sorts of things. But it could mean on the other the flip side of the coin of the coin um he likes to play mental the, game, the coin <laughs> he likes to play <laughs> he likes to play, sorry he likes to play um mental mind games as well so yeah it's, it's, do, you, yeah. do you think as i mean part of him must know that he is playing mental mind games or do you just think at this point in his life this is where he is and he doesn't realize he does it it's all for him in a way. Uh, I don't know. It's an interesting one. I don't know. That's the thing because sometimes I do get the impression that he's he's very um, uh, as I say he's very secretive. But then he's very methodical in what he does. Yeah, but then yeah, but then he has this manipulation side to him. So and and he does offer some kind of context to to what he's doing and how he feels. But yeah, he kind of has this kind of like real duality about even this dark side as a duality it's very weird kind of like yeah. a serial killer yeah that's what I'm, that's what i mean that's why i'm so convinced that he's just he's painted as a bad egg from the start um i don't know it's yeah it's all totally agree yeah well i mean it, again i'm jumping forward again but you know everything he does isn't to the benefit of anyone else it's always to the benefit of john Locke. you know even um getting to uh giving Boone that uh, hallucination a couple of episodes ago you know it wasn't so that it wasn't to help Boone even though that he said it was you know it was so that Boone can continue to yeah. help John yeah. um, and there's various points throughout the series you know where that, that happens again um, uh, th- there's one point where he 
throws a knife in somebody's back you know it's like yeah i'm, I'm doing this i'm doing this for everybody it's like yeah. no you're not john you're doing this for yourself um yeah he's very literally the only bit of the season three finale i'd questioned and we'll uh, have, i have strong <laughs> thoughts about that but anyway <laughs> so yeah dx machina overall a very 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 good episode in my mind um, we just have the, the the bit with Sawyer and his glasses, which oh, isn't yes. much of a sorry. much of a thing. But yes, sorry, no. How could I forget? I'm so sorry. So much happens. So yes, <laughs> the sidebar. Well, it's this, it's easily forgettable. <laughs> before we step into that bit, very quickly, it's just one more point about the lock plot. Um, so when mm-hmm. okay, there's a bit there's a bit of a funny moment for me, and it, it's very reminiscent of the times. But when when John carries Bone back. You get a glimpse of Bones jeans, and they are just the most horrible bootcut jeans I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just so bad. So that's that, that was my laugh at that moment. Um, he's he's very um, Boone is like he, he's very handsome, but he's very specifically two thousand and four handsome. If you know what I mean, he is. Yeah, he is. Like messy hair, tank top, uh, boat cut, ripped bootcut jeans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He probably has a that's a shark tooth <laughs> necklace, you know. <laughs> yeah, like um, beads around his wrist, sort of thing. <laughs> oh, stop it! I don't know why I'm making fun. I was probably the same. I, I dressed exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there was a, there was one other serious one, a serious point about when they get him back, um, and it's obviously when he's confronted on how uh, what happened to Bone. John lies to Jack and says mm. he fell off a cliff. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously that leads into the you know the you know the next episode when Jack realizes what actually happened. You know, um, mm-hmm. so John mm-hmm. is still even though he's brought him back and done the noble thing, he's still being a lying little shit. Um, <laughs> Which brings us nicely on to the next episode in a minute once we've talked about James Ford's headaches. <laughs> So he's suffering from headaches. It's a bit of comic relief, this, um, to break up all the drama. Um, Sawyer, I think he's got light sensitivity. He thinks he's got a brain tumour and everyone's playing up on it, taking the piss out of him. <laughs> and I think it's something as simple as... I think he's far-sighted, um, mm-hmm. yeah. caused by the strain on his eyes because he reads a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Hyperopia, so decide, it's called, because I have it as well. <laughs> Oh, right, there you go then. <laughs> um, so using spare glasses that have been found in the wreckage and Saeed being a soldering champion, they, f- <laughs> they make him his own pair of glasses to read with. More interesting than the Shannon yeah. stuff. That little sequence of Saeed making <laughs> his glasses like Iron Man. It's, it's so it's so far more interesting <laughs> and, and in character. Andrews could have so been in Iron Man. Oh, my God, he would have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's 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 a fun little um, as I say B plot to take away from the very serious, very intense uh, main plot of the episode, and it's just uh, it's also uh, a rare chance for Jack to bust Sawyer's balls because he asks him all the um, intimate questions, and Sawyer's like, "I'm not answering these." Oh, just yeah. walks off. Um, it's very funny because you you don't see that side of Jack very often. Doesn't he say something like, "Have you ever slept with a prostitute?" <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and Sawyer's like, "I'm not answering that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's clearly trying to get on Kate's side here. He's trying to get some points with Kate by mocking <laughs> uh, James. And so comes uh, the end of our time with Dx Machina, which leads us in to episode twenty, which is "Do No Harm." 
So before we get into it, the meat and potatoes of it all, uh, Scott Trivia. Yeah. Uh, this one directed by Stephen Williams. This was written. This was a one-off writer for the show who was a freelancer at the time, uh, Janet Tamaro, who went on to be a showrunner for Brazilian Isles, which was this detective uh, show. Uh, mm. Uh, mm. I, I know of it, but I never watched it. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of those shows that just kind of passes me by. Uh, it aired on April 6th, 2005, and had a viewership of 17.12 million. So a little drop again from the previous week, but they're still in those sort of high kinds of 17, 18 million. Thank you very much. Uh, John, guest stars, if any. Yes. Um, well, we have um, John Terry, not that one, um, back <laughs> as Jack's dad, uh, who we've seen before, and I think we've, we've talked about before, but um, the actress playing Jack's wife, or Jack's fiance. Oh, well, she's his wife by the end of the episode. Um, is an actress called Julie Bowen, who I know more from uh, playing Claire Dunphy on Modern Family for all like 10 or 11 years that show was on. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also uh, in Happy Gilmore. She is she's, in Happy um, Gilmore. She's his girlfriend. Yes. Is that right? yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen Happy Gilmore, but I know she's in it. Um, so yeah, she's she's playing Jack's wife, and she has a, a recurring role throughout most of the series. I think like she's not in a lot of episodes, but. Um, you know, she's she's a recognisable face that you see yeah. in, in in Jack's flashback episodes, obviously. I remember um, from yeah, she um, was on... Dawson's Creek. She was in that briefly. As oh, well. really? Yeah, she was. I think he's Ant. I want to say. Oh wow! Okay. I could be wrong. Sorry. <laughs> look here, I didn't check that. Uh, oh, she was apparently she was in that Boston Legal Show. Is that the one with William Shatner? It is. <laughs> oh, she's in like she's been in episodes of ER. She's been in loads of things, um, but. Again, as I say, I, I know her mostly from Modern Family. Mm. Um, all like 300 episodes or whatever there are of that. Is it still going, Modern Family? No, it just ended this year. Oh, really? Um, I Yeah, I didn't see it. I, I think I stopped around like the sixth season and it just kept going. Um, it's one of those ones that I started watching. Like, obviously, the, there's the child actors in it. And like the, the, the one of the wee girls was like four when it um, started. And then I, I saw... Uh, pictures of her near the end it's like oh my goodness she's like an adult now it's like oh this makes me feel so old it's amazing when you've got child actors isn't it like adults don't seem to age i think a good example here is obviously walt <laughs> in this show oh yeah that's a good point yeah yeah. you just don't expect it and then two seasons go by and you're like jesus christ <laughs> yeah. i remember when um i started and i saw like the adverts for modern family like when it first sort of started airing over here and I thought, mm-hmm. oh, okay, it's got Ed O'Neill in it, and I love Married with Children. It's like one of my favourite shows ever. And mm-hmm. if you've seen it, like, Al Bundy, the Al Bundy character is like, uh, he's really funny, but he's like a horrible misogynist. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and he's brilliant. And of course, that has Katie Segal, who's in Lost. Um, yes. So there's a connection there. Oh, yeah. But um, I thought, oh, okay, Ed O'Neill is going to be like Al Bundy in this, and he's not at all. <laughs> I was so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't uh, Married with Children have uh, Christina Applegate in? Yes, Christine Applegate, yeah. So, um, is there any more guest stars, or is that everybody? Uh, no, that's that's pretty much everybody. Um, there's there's an actor playing um, Jack's best man, but I have no idea who he is, and he's only in it for like one scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, well, we'll dive straight into it. So the flashbacks are quite sparse in this one. It's a Jack-centric episode, as we've already said. Um, but the, the, the flashbacks essentially show both the build-up to and 
the wedding of Jack and Sarah. Sarah being mm-hmm. uh, Julie Bowen, as we've said. Um, she's a former patient of Jack's who was in a car accident, and it's quite. It's uh, she. He fixed her, as they put it in the show. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite. A, it's a, well. It's a long-running thing, really. That isn't it. That he fixes people. He's I'm going to fix you. Yeah, I can fix you. Um, I think it's quite a poignant thing. We've always talked about the daddy issues in this show, and I guess one of the things we didn't mention in the previous one is obviously Locke also has them, but <coughs> big, <laughs> big time. Um, but I don't think anything epitomizes the show more than Jack and Christian in terms of daddy issues. Um, mm-hmm. He's agonizing over what to say in his vows, and his dad comes along. First of all, surprising him for actually showing up to something. <laughs> yeah, yeah he does, doesn't he? Yeah, he's like, "Oh my god, you're here! I didn't expect that." But um, <laughs> they seem quite like um, they seem like in, in good kind of spirits to be around each other. There doesn't seem to be that tension that we've seen in other yeah. flashbacks. I don't because I don't know the time of events between the flashbacks of. Um, yeah. When he got oh now of course it's going to be prior to when he finds him dead. Um, yeah. it's, a bit more, it's a bit more tense between them before that, but uh, yeah, mm. we that know, hotel how, how... with the Sydney Opera House. <laughs> yes, yes, that one location in the whole of Australia, <laughs> but the whole of Sydney. Yeah, yeah. like I, I would imagine this this episode would be quite a bit before the previous Jack flashbacks, mm. um, because we need cause... to get to, to the divorce, don't we? As yeah. well, so yeah, yeah. Like, was there ever any mention of Jack being married or even divorced in the other Jack flashbacks? I can't remember. I don't think so. No, no. So this this must take place before all of those other ones. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it would do. So they're at, obviously they're at a different point in their lives, but he's st- mm. Christian's still a bit unreliable, shall we? Shall we say? But Jack mm. obviously still appreciates his father's input. Mm-hmm. Which he gives him here by helping him with his vows. Yeah. Um, yes. Because uh-huh. his dad explains to him that his biggest strength is his commitment to people, which I mm-hmm. think we definitely know for a fact is arguably uh, to his strength and also to his detriment, especially in this episode. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, I'm just I'm just looking on um, lots of video now. The, the, the quote is. Commitment is what makes you tick, Jack. The problem is that um, you're just not good at letting go. Yes, um, there you which go. We, we will find out. Yes, he's, he, he can't let go of things. He, it's, he's, it's impossible for Jack Shepard to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. And, like the, the, the flashbacks in this one aren't hugely enlightening. No, they're um, not. You know, they, they don't tell us anything we don't already know about Jack. Um, but, but I mean, it's, it's nice to fill in bits of the backstory, you know, like the. The wedding, the marriage, and, and mm. seeing Jack's Jack's wife for the first time. Yeah, and I guess he uses he uses the I fix you know I fixed her I fixed you uh, motif again mm. when he's yes. actually yes. Uh, saying his vows. You know, he say mm-hmm. he thinks on his dad's words and finally gets them into the ceremony, and he basically says, you know, I, you know, I had to, to get you here, I had to fix you, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really the episode in terms of flashbacks. <laughs> So, like you say, nothing that we don't already know, but it's just a nice extension of uh, what came before. So, yeah. So straight to the on-island events because there's a lot happening here. Oh, it's so stressful. It's this very stressy episode. I agree. <laughs> um, I guess not to condense it as such, but to try and get everything in place before we get into the discussion. So Boone's obviously very, very much critically injured from his fall in the mm-hmm. in the plane. 
he's losing blood, and I think one of his uh, his right legs crushed, and his lungs mm-hmm. collapsed. Um, yes. In the midst of all this chaos, so Jack sends Kay off to get some alcohol from Sawyer because he's stashing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate has a panic attack again by seeing someone in peril. That's a yes. common thing. I think yes. I mentioned before. She she can't yeah. deal with people being in peril. No, uh, she struggles with it. Yeah, and Jack has to tell her. F- f- fucking move <laughs> snap out of it yeah um so but in the midst of all of that on her way back she finds claire who's in labor so that's all happening mm. meanwhile i've got to get it out of the way i'm sorry saeed surprises shannon with the torchlit dinner by the beach <laughs> oh yes um how can you forget that uh, one? Yeah. I I, oh, I really wish I didn't shit. have to mention it, but I kind of do because <laughs> unfortunately it is kind of important to the episode. It's integral, <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so <laughs> Shannon tells Saeed that Boone's only her stepbrother, um, and that he is kind of in love with her. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I, uh, sort of. So, yeah. Yeah. I just don't like talking about this plot line. It's just so shit. <laughs> Does she say that Boone? Yeah, she says that Boone loves her, mm. and I, does he even question if she feels the same, or she just kind of says, "Oh no, so like, I don't feel the same about him." You know, it's... I don't think he questions it. I think he's more like, "Look what I have for you here—a torchlit dinner by the beach." <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's beautiful roasted pineapple. So no, we have an island band. We've got all the trappings of a great like luau here. <laughs> yes, a good luau. That's so they think. Um, so. Yeah, that's happening in the background and unfortunately is important to where the episode goes. Um, So, Boone needs some blood. Um, Jack sends Charlie off to find out which of the other survivors have a matching blood type. I think he's type A negative or something. Or is that the universal? I don't know if that's the universal donor. Oh, is the universal donor. I think, yeah, Jack's the universal donor, isn't he? That's right, that's right. So he returns... Charlie comes back and I think there's only like a handful of people that actually know their blood type uh, mm-hmm. I'll hold my hand up I don't know um, uh, <laughs> yeah I don't know mine either Jack says I, I'm, o, I'm O negative <laughs> oh so this would be you in this situation then Scott yeah but I only found it out when I when I donated blood like, that's the only reason I could stop printing on a little card they give you yeah. oh yeah, yeah but other than that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you but yeah <laughs> Well, Jack decides to give Boone some of his blood. Um, mm-hmm. Tries to use bamboo as a needle, but it won't pierce his skin. And then this is when Sun comes into the rescue and solves the problem. And I think she's got a sea urchin um, and yes. one of the spines of the urchin, and you know, stabs Jack, and he begins to pass his blood on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, like that—that's sort of the the, uh, the last. Um, uh, you know Jack's last resort. You know up until then he's been doing everything he can because he has the information that Locke gave him. Um, you know he he's, he he sets Boone's leg, which is horrible. Um, I think he <laughs> he does a not a tracheotomy, but that like he oh, what do you call it? I can't remember. He he, he, he like tries to he releases the fluid from uh, his lungs as well. So there's a lot of makeshift surgery, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, it's horrible to watch, especially that part where he sets his leg. It's just, ugh, I don't like it at all. Um, and then as a as a last gasp, you know, the, it's the the transfusion. I think isn't that right? I, I could be wrong with that. I could be getting my yeah my order mixed up there. Um, but yeah, as I say, Jack has trouble letting go. You know, he's not going to let Boone die here. Um, 
to the detriment means... of Boone's body. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> and then that that's when they find out... Oh, no, sorry, I, again, I'm jumping ahead, but um, doesn't Boone wake up during the transfusion? You know, to tell him... He's, no, he wakes up yeah. as he's about to amputate his leg. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Um, I think Boone is kind of like he's in and out of consciousness, isn't he? Yeah, because yeah, he's he, talking to him, and yeah, he mentions yeah. the hatch at some point. Yes, um, he does. Jack, Jack's like, mm, "What's what's that?" And then he, he he's unconscious again. Um, yeah, but, but when Jack Jack is donating his blood, um, he deduces that you know because of what's the build up in his leg, he deduces that Locke was lying about how he got injured. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, I so, thought we already made that point. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It, 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 Jack works out that Locke, what Locke told him is wrong because yeah. um, Boone ends up with compartment syndrome. That's it. Yeah, that's a, yeah. I was trying to think because I didn't know it down, but yeah, it was a certain syndrome. Compartment is that, syndrome. Is that basically yeah. where his legs dead? Yeah, yeah so much <laughs> blood build up. Yeah, that he's yeah, it's yeah. a dead leg. It's yeah, it's got to be whipped off. <laughs> well, this is interesting. I think we've got to add enough absolute. Once again, props to Matthew Fox in this one because. It's just he's hell bent for leather, as they say. Um, like it's such a like we've said, it's chaotic, mm. and it involves a good majority of the cast. When you think about it, there's almost every yeah. single main cast member at once yeah. in action in this episode. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite good because you know a lot of the the characters have been at odds with each other, um, but like this is the first time really that somebody. Has has injured themselves so badly. Like other people have have died on the island, mm. um, but you know this this is the first time that somebody could potentially be saved, and everyone sort of rallies together. Um, like even Sawyer, um, I think Jack sends Kate off to get the alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Sawyer's like like there's not even a question. Sawyer's right away. You know, I thought it was quite nice that everybody sort of bands together to to help yeah. out, uh, which is the first time I think that's happened since maybe just after the crash. Yeah. I mean, just going, just going back to what you were saying about the kind of the makeshift surgery. These always give me the heebie. I, I stand by it. I can watch horror till the cows come home. I love, I love horror. I love you know weird, kooky violence on screen. But when it comes mm-hmm. to stuff that is very realistic in the traditional sense, you know, setting mm-hmm. his leg, like you say, the crunching of bones does not sit well with me at all. And then, no, no. Um, I'm okay with the piercing of the lung. I understand that. <laughs> it's, it's, it must hurt, but you know he can breathe again. But then, mm-hmm. I, then comes the moment where it's basically right. I mean, Jack could probably chop off all of his limbs just to make him safe. Make him into he, a pillow man, basically. Yeah, he he would do that. He, he would do that if it meant he saved his life. Yeah. Um, Imagine if he like have like put his arm on his. On his voice, leggings instead. Then he'd be like Mister McGreg. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's quite a poignant thing that. Well, I say poignant. It, it it's very poignant, really. That <laughs> just as he's about to lop his leg off, and we should add as well that he's using, I think, one of the shutters on from the plane crash, like really, yeah. <laughs> really sharp shutter. You just mm-hmm. think, no, come on, mate, don't be so stupid. <laughs> I think we've got to stress though that he has lost a lot of blood. <laughs> He's clearly oh, not yeah, thinking yeah. clearly. Uh, no, it looks like shit. <laughs> yeah, the, the makeup, the makeup for this episode is amazing. Yeah, it's good. Even though it's in the dark as well, because it's still really, mm. really convincing. Mm. But I was to say, isn't it? Um, he sends for Michael, 
um, Eva asks yes. Hurley or, or Charlie to go and get Michael, and Michael pops up and says, okay. And he's like, right, we're going to chop his leg off. <laughs> Michael's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Walt. <laughs> but as, um, leading up to it, there's a, there's a great uh, there's a great moment where some protests and says like you know you can't do this you can't and then Jack does the mm. the classic lock line you don't tell me what can't I can't do, do. yeah oh, it gives me chills Fantastic. that line it's amazing because yeah. it has so many co- without even thinking about it you just think oh that's just a, a sentence anyone might say that but in the context mm. of this show and these characters that means so much it tells you everything yeah. you need to know about those characters. I've, I think with in Jack's point of view of using that line I think it's like he's afraid of failure like he's mm-hmm. actually afraid of failure but with John it's more like he is he has limitations but he still has this deep belief that he can do anything if he puts his mind to it mm-hmm. basically but Jack is more sort of relying on his um, skill and his start sort of in, his, his physical acumen mm. um, I just think it's a, I just think it's, it's a great uh, contrast between the two. I think as well. This is without even. Re- I mean, obviously, we're discussing it now, so it, it, it's kind of, you know, not obvious, but it, it it makes the point. But the show is clearly positioning these two as both the leads, but also the opposites of one another, the parallels, without yeah. you necessarily really knowing it. And they're not they're not involved directly involved in these in these scenes here. Exactly. This is, and, but you still get that. Yeah, you still get that that connection between them yeah. very very vividly yeah don't tell me what I can't do and I think as well like Locke whilst he does fail I think he's willing to learn from his failures perhaps whereas Jack just can't he just physically cannot do it everything mm. everything has to be a win or it's that's it nothing at all game over sort of thing yeah, yeah. absolutely nothing because when he does fail when he does like when things do happen to him which are bad he despairs he's very very difficult to kind of get over it you know mm. it's i think it and it, and i think it all centers on sarah obviously with the flashbacks is that's obviously what his tie is to it that sarah yeah. is obviously like um the thing from his past that he really holds to high regard in his career and his life you know he say mm. he saved this woman against all odds he actually fixed her she could walk on her wedding like she always wanted to mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. um Ironically, obviously, it was to Jack, but he, he did everything in his power and it worked. And mm. now, and now he holds himself to that level. He's on that pedestal. Yeah. He can and he can never come down from it. Mm. It's tough to be a surgeon. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Oh god, yeah. So, <laughs> what if Jack's the type? Of, what if he's like proposes to everybody, saves in surgery, just, just you know. <laughs> Just sweeten the deal a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Just I fix you when you marry me. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to propose the burn if he saves his life. <laughs> well, just to zip back then. So he's about yeah. Michael's coming to it. He's like yeah, that'll work. The shutter from the plane. Yeah, all right. <laughs> get lock. Get and I think it's. I think Sun is against it. I think she's kind of Sun's very much <laughs> admitting. Not defeat, but she knows there's no saving him. He's too, yeah. yeah, he's too broken. Basically, there's no way you can save him, especially on the island. Maybe if he was in, you know, the real world as such, but there's no way they're going to save him. And Boone regains consciousness, as we've said at that point, to basically say that just let him go. He's in too much pain. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll only continue to put him in pain by lopping off his leg, and you know, <laughs> whatever comes from that, probably have to cauterize the wound. 
you know. And it, yeah, and I think it says that he's, he knows he's um, he knows he's messed up inside. So I think by saying that he's like he's going to be a burden and too dependent on everyone on everyone else. And it's just it's just probably for the best if he just yeah, goes. It's not worth yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So as we've said. He, he mentions the hatch, the mysterious hatch, of which only at this point us and uh, John and Boone know about. Um, mm-hmm. And Locke told, I think he says that Locke told him not to tell anybody else. Yeah. And then he has that little line at the end where he's like, "Tell Shannon I," and then he dies. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> which is <It's> a bitch. <laughs> That's my sister. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there's a line Boone says, um, which is apparently according to Lostopedia is a is one of those uh, recurring lines in Lost. But he says, "I'm letting you off the hook." Yes, and yes, it's, that is so one. I'm not, I'm, I don't know who says it, you know, elsewhere. Um, but according to Lostopedia, mm. it's a recurring line. But you know, it's. I think Sarah says to Jack. Sarah says uh, it. Oh, yeah. in this episode. I'm not sure because it would make sense if she's because she knows she isn't gonna. She says, "I know I'm not gonna dance my wedding," but I can't remember if she actually says the off the hook line as well. Oh, okay. Hold on a sec. I'm just gonna Google it quickly. I'm pretty sure. Uh... I love Jack's reaction line is, "I'm gonna fix that." He says, "I'm gonna fix you," something like that. I think it might actually that might be in a later episode, but Um... yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think it's a later episode. I think it might be season two where he says that that line comes up again. Oh, okay. So, okay. I, so I doubt it's this episode. It's when she's having the operation. Wow, right, there's, okay. there's a lot of recurring lines in Lost. Hold on a sec. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the but yeah, I thought that oh. like I thought that was a nice little. Right, that's little it. Moment. Sorry. So Rose says it to Jack in Walkabout. I think oh, when they sat at the beach, okay. she's like, "I'll let you off the hook." Oh, and okay. um, Locke says it to Kate and Sawyer. Wait, does he say it to Kate? I'm just reading it off Lostopedia, so... Oh. <laughs> um, Locke to Kate and Sawyer about the doggy's foster mother believed to be her daughter reincarnated. Can you remember that in Outlaws? Uh-huh, uh-huh. They were talking... There's that There's that little story that she believed it was her daughter reincarnated and she thought the dog would come back to tell her, you know, it wasn't her fault. Mm-hmm. She let her off the hook. Okay. Boone says it to Jack in this episode and then uh, we're jumping slightly ahead, but in Man of Science, Man of Faith, season two opener, Sarah says it to Jack. Ah right, okay, okay. Yeah, so he's uh, and that's when he says, "I'm going to fix you." Okay, okay. Yeah. So it it, it is a regular line. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. I, I like I I knew I'd seen it or I knew I'd heard it somewhere. I just couldn't remember where. The other one that I always remember is "Live Together, Die Alone," but we'll get to that. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> it's already been mentioned a couple of times that. So. Anyway, so really. We're quite at the. T- we're already quickly at the tail end of this, but mm-hmm. I guess to wrap wrap it up, Claire gives birth to a baby boy. We will name him Aaron <laughs> for the purposes of these episodes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 very. Um, uh, I don't want to say on the nose. I feel like I say that a lot whenever it comes to loss. But you know, the the cutting cut between bone dying and, and and the baby being born. You know, it's it's not exclusive to lost but um you know it's it's quite good it's, it, it plays into that whole yeah. sort of sacrifice where there's life there's know. death or death there's life sort of, yeah yeah sort of um yeah but i mean like it's it's so frenetic and the whole episode is so stressful and and you don't really notice that you don't really mind that um 
and and the stuff with Claire is really nice with um, Charlie and Jim as well. You know, even though there's there's yeah. still a language barrier, Jim's like, no, no, just just Charlie, don't you go in there. Let Kate handle this. Um, yeah. yeah, I love that bit. Yeah, and I think even at this point, Jim, we're still kind of reading from uh, what's happened with Jim and Son. Yes, um, mm-hmm. and they're still apart, but Jim is still kind of developing into quite a just quite a good a mm-hmm. good character because he's he's um, obviously interacting with Michael and Sawyer a lot more mm-hmm. and Walt um, becoming more of an, a proper islander rather than this kind of isolated guy who's like, angry mm-hmm. all the time but um, yeah he kind of shows he's, he's quite a, he's yeah. a good egg he is a good egg he is a good egg um, Jack has to tell Shannon that Boone's died <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think there's a bit of a commotion where's Shannon and she's like oh she's down by the beach yeah. <laughs> having a candle at supper <laughs> From the ball that Saeed caught but locked it in. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but Shannon immediately goes to the caves and, you know, she's having a, a good old cry over his dead body, which, you know, yeah. it is a poignant moment. I, it's quite sad. I, I like the, um, I do like the, the, the juxtaposition of the, the the happiness of everybody being shown the baby. And again, it's not exclusive to, uh, to Lost. It's not something that Lost did first, but, you know, and then Jack obviously goes over and it's, it's, uh, just back to back the tragedy it works in, in well two though, doesn't it? yeah oh no it does it does um and i think it's quite it good you know you, that well. you see that from quite far away it's quite a wide shot and they're they're just very small in the center of the frame and then shannon breaks mm-hmm. down so it, it's it's quite good i'm i'm praising a shannon scene but it is quite good yes yes um i i agree but then the final bit of the episode is obviously the the well, no, there has been a storm. There's a bit of a calm now for maybe another storm <laughs> to come. Um, the baby's been born. Everyone's in love with the baby. Everyone's grieving about Boone. Our, you know, he's our first main character in the show to to uh, die. Uh, quite early on, let's be honest. In the mm. grand scheme of things, it's a six-season show, and this is just past the halfway point, really, mm-hmm. of, uh, of the first season. And... Uh, Someone says to Jack, you know, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to find John Locke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He's uh, he's on a murder. He's convinced that, I think he says that, you know, he was, uh, Boone was murdered. Yeah. He used those lines. Yeah, he does. Where, uh, where... I, 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 I really like Matthew Fox here. Yeah, me too. Like, it, just, just after Boone, Boone finally, you know, um, meets his demise, uh, uh, Matthew Fox really sells the agony, like the agony frustration of, of Jack of Jack's failure, effectively, that's what he sees mm-hmm. as a failure. Yeah. Even though Bone gave him the, you know, gave him like the permission to go ahead. Just yeah, they gave him the permission. He still can't deal with it, and he just sells it so well. Yeah, and it's kind of uh, in a bit of a selfish way as well. He is he's internalizing it, isn't he? And he's basically like, yeah, f- fair enough. You know, I th- I actually I th- I do at this point believe Boone was murdered, but I'm going to murder you now because I couldn't save him. <laughs> Yeah, basically, yeah. In a nutshell, obviously, we must preface he has lost a lot of blood. He's not thinking straight. <laughs> uh, and he's lacking sleep, but it still stands to reason that his failure in his mind results in him having to go after him and essentially try and murder him as a result. Mm. And like you said, there's a, there's a great there's a great line by Hurley um, earlier on when like he sees Jack and I think he's trying to help out as much as he can. And Hurley sees Jack and he's like completely drained and he says. Dude, you're looking kind of goth. It's like, <laughs> like white face. Could you imagine Matthew Fox in goth mode? That'd be hilarious. I can't actually. No, I can't. I can't. I can't either. 
<laughs> but yeah, that's your ending. Yeah. Boom. Um, just just on that, um, the, mentioning the the uh, titles for the episodes. You know, the first one was Day at Ex Machina. Um, you know, which mm. uh, if anybody doesn't know, it's like the the plot device where uh, a seemingly uh, unsolvable problem, you know, is is you know something comes out of nowhere solved. to solve the problem. Yeah. Um, and I don't, how, yep. how would that relate to the to that episode? I'm Today, wondering. Well, I'm just thinking maybe the plane. The plane's the day. Oh, of course it is. Mind. Oh yes. Oh, I'm stupid. Of course it is. It, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it just appears out of nowhere, and I guess the coincidence of Locke just happened upon it. Yeah. You know, obviously yeah. he falls down, he sees it. There you go. Oh, of course, yeah. But I, th- I always, I always think that the, a, a day ex machina, in a general sense, is seen as quite a negative literary device. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh. be- because of the very reason that you know they've clearly painted themselves into this corner, <laughs> yeah. writers or filmmakers, whichever, and they just to get from A to B, they're like, oh, let's just throw this in this thing that does not make sense but it will get us out of it yeah well i mean yeah as you said like it, it's deus ex machina obviously deus refers to god it, it's it's the like it's mm. basically the the a wizard did it um yeah you know, way of thinking. I, th- <laughs> I, 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 I think the good thing with lost though is that it kind of subverts it slightly it uses it still but mm. it uses it to its benefit and within its own rules yeah. it's clearly at this point established the rules of the island and you know there is some kooky shit going on um <laughs> We, at this point, we don't know, is it all supernatural, magic, you name it, but it does work. Yeah. It does work within the context of the show, so I feel like it's them subverting that, that literary device. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the type of show you could imagine, you know, something out of left field saving the day. As I mean, it often does, you know, it, it's not out of character for Lost. No, it's not. And then I think the title for Do No Harm, I'll leave that with you, but... Oh, well, yeah, it's, um, it's um, uh, part of the Hippocratic Oath. That the yeah. uh, that's right, yeah. That's I guess right. all medical professionals have to take. Um, is that still a thing, or is that is that a thing that yeah. they still have to do? I wasn't sure. I think I, it, I would I yeah. presume so. Yeah, I think it is. But the, it's quite ironic. I get as well just saying what we said, like do no harm. Well, Jack's off to murder Locke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, as I say, it obviously just relates to to Jack in this episode, but. Um, isn't that really cool though? That the in regards to Hippocratic Oath and, and particularly Do No Harm, Jack is so committed to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whilst he's trying to treat Boone, but then as soon as Boone dies, he's like, "Oh, I want to find John Locke and kick him <laughs> yeah. to, to shit." Basically, so it's just it's just weird how quickly that that changes. You, you you could also argue that even though he's he's help, he's trying to help him, everything he's doing to Boone is harming him in some way. Mm, yeah. If you if yeah, you want to if you want to take it a bit further, like and at the very last minute, I mean, chopping his leg off. I know why he's doing it, but fucking hell, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do no harm. You're just gonna kill him, basically. So <laughs> just just let him pass peacefully. <laughs> yeah. It's a great episode, another great Matthew Fox episode. I think I'll mm. forever sing that man's praises throughout this podcast. <laughs> I'll never stop. I love him so much. He's amazing. Well, and I think the um, the support is good as well, um, oh, particularly yeah. around Jack. Yeah. Like, um, Sun is a is a great companion to Jack in this episode because she's like the voice of reason, mm-hmm. even though he's very adamant that he doesn't listen to her, and he gets a bit shitty with her a few times, but she mm. still kind of maintains this calmness and like kind of serenity even though like he she can tell like he's fucked and she's still kind of trying to be a bit as diplomatic as possible and reasonable 
even though Jackie's going mental. But uh, yeah, Sons, she she was like the best character to to be there at that time. I think. I think it, I think I completely agree, and it and it's this especially with the very end, and it's um, I think you can best describe Jack as hot headed, especially <laughs> well at the best of times, but definitely in his current state. Mm. But it, it's it's a wonderful uh, way to fuel the rivalry between him and Locke, especially going into the finale uh, with everything that happens in that. Uh, from a story perspective, Boone's death makes all all sorts of sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Unfortunately, it was the necessary land to the slaughter. But yeah, <laughs> I think the top the timing of it is because you, you said earlier on about we just crossed over the halfway point into the last third of the season, and this is like the first big death. And it normally in a lot of um, media like this, it doesn't really happen. Not no. I can't think of many big examples of a major character like a a, a, a named build car- uh, actor mm. being off this quite early. So. Yeah, I think for it's... me as well, in terms of, I've always said that Lost was probably the first proper serialized drama that I watched. It mm-hmm. took me by surprise, you know, because in TV, death doesn't necessarily factor into things. You know, these are cast members that you're going to stick with. But sometimes you realize that even the characters you love, sometimes you got to, as they say, kill your darlings. Mm. It makes for more interesting stories. Yeah, it does. That it does indeed. And I think we can say that even though we didn't necessarily love Boone, um, he was arguably better than Shannon. <laughs> um, I, I I grew to I grew to like Boone a lot more rewatching. I, yeah. I think uh, you know watching it when I was like in my early twenties, I think I was more um, just a bit more at odds with the world. I kind of yeah. wanted to hate people on first impressions, and then that goes with like Michael as well. Shannon is. I'm still the same thing with Shannon. She's just horrible, <laughs> poorly written character, and she's a, yes, just terrible. But with people like Michael and Bone, who, especially Michael, Michael, it's a bad rap even now. He does, and, I, and he he's a very sympathetic character, and a lot of the stuff happens to him. He does not deserve at all, and I think Bone kind of slots into that category very loosely. Yeah, he's no, not as that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's fair. Um, I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, yeah, but yeah, rest in peace, Boone. <laughs> but he's going to be time. back <laughs> many arguably more times than he ever was when he was alive <laughs> I can think of two occasions straight off the bat but we'll, we'll not talk about yeah. we'll 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 that, that yeah. we won't mention but that he, but he, he maintains his fashion sense of brown leather jackets and bootcut jeans <laughs> that will never you change you got to keep up the pretense that it's 2004 or whenever <laughs> yeah 2004 2005 but if he comes back as a ghost, so, so to speak, later on in the series, say season five, season six, mm. we've gone past 2004. Does he still have the same fashion sense in his afterlife? Because that wouldn't make any sense. Because bootcut jeans were just purely 2004 and five, and that is it. I'm, I'm <laughs> telling you. Pretty sure he features in the series finale, and I can't remember what his fashion sense is there. So that'll be fun to to discuss when we do eventually get to the series finale. <laughs> just at a desk, just waist up, sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you, chaps. I think that is that for now. Um, that is the closing on Dex Machina and Do No Harm. So next week will be... It's the greater good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and Born to Run. I won't do my Springsteen. Because <laughs> it just turns into Elvis for some reason. <laughs> I, can, I, can, so... I, can, I, can, I can do Elvis, but not New Jersey Springsteen. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's a what a side and a kid episode. Yes. Okay. Cool. Wicked. Right. Thank you, chaps. No, thank you. Thank you, as and thank always. you, and thank you for listening. Anybody who has been listening, thank you very much for your support. It means the world. We'll see you next time.